Hello and welcome to the Feedback Force Podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the Undefender community. I am Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. Uh, welcome to the last podcast of 2018 ever. ever. The last <laughs> podcast of 2018 uh, slash ever. The last, the last podcast we have killed all other podcasts. Yeah. Just the, the last podcast, period. We've been really busy the last two weeks, um, hunting them all down. Yep. <laughs> True. God, I've you... been the I've been the opposite of busy the last two weeks, but yes. Yep, <laughs> I've been. I haven't been busy, but I haven't had any downtime because my family has been around since before Christmas. So basically. Like, let's see, when when was Christmas? Okay, so that was last week. It was Christmas. And then, <laughs> so I had to look at the calendar? Wow. Um, and it's, then, that, it's that time of year. Yeah. It's the time of year where you lose track of what day it is. Yeah, basically my family has been around for the last two weeks, uh, varying amounts of family. So, yeah. It's, which, which includes small children. Ugh. Uh, four of them at a time sometimes. Sometimes just two of them at a time. I'm so, sorry. It's fine, but uh, I'm ready for... <laughs> I'm ready for everyone to leave. And everyone <laughs> will be gone by tomorrow morning. Um, yeah. This is this is what a friend of mine referred to uh, in terms of... Like, when you take a vacation that involves like dealing with your family or going back to your hometown... Uh, is what he referred to as the parade of obligation. Yes. Yes, that's... Wow, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's like a pseudo-vacation where you don't really get to relax because you're around your family. Like, today, I have been roped into dog-sitting. Uh, last week, I babysat twice. I might be babysitting tomorrow. It depends on how the weather is, because I have to drive an hour to go babysit. But, yeah, it's just a whole lot of stuff going on. I I have been cat-sitting uh, this this break, but for, for this particular cat, cat-sitting involves, like, driving 20 minutes every other day to just make sure she has food and water, and that's yeah. it. Because she has, like, an automated litter box, so you don't even have to do litter box cleaning. It's very nice. I I might get one of those in the near future, just because. My cat, my, like, this probably means he has kidney problems, because my cat is uh, nearly old enough to vote in the United States. Uh, Man, he pees a lot. (laughs) The, The volume of pee that my cat makes is impressive. Uh, which is why I think I need to get an automatic litter box at some point, just because, man, is it a drag to scoop out every day. But, uh, that's not what this, that's not what this podcast is about. Cat pee, guys? Did you get anything fun for Christmas? Uh, I mean, I, I bought, I, I got money and I also got, like, bonus money from work. So I bought myself a PS4. But that was nice. a, that was a couple weeks ago. Yes, I bought myself a PS4, uh, and I got Spyro Reignited and Red Dead, which is 
I I also got a PS4 for Christmas. Um, And I got Kingdom Hearts 2.8 and The Last Guardian. Nice. I've been thinking about picking up The Last Guardian at some point. How is it? I haven't started it yet. I've been too busy playing uh, Dream Drop Distance again. (laughs) I love that game so much. That's fair. That's fair. It's uh, to be fair, I think I'm almost uh, I'm almost done with it. I've sunk since I got it on Christmas. I've sunk something like 35 hours into it, so you know, <laughs> over five days. Yeah, that's like when I got uh, Final Fantasy 15 and I beat it in like a week. And oh, I, dear. I, I think my like final time ended up being something like slightly over 50 hours over a week, uh, which. I don't know how I did it looking back, but yeah, and I I, I I did like everything. Like I did all of the side quests basically before, before the point where the story really picks up and you kind of can't go back and do the side quests without doing some bullshit. So mm-hmm. I was very committed to uh, boy band road trip. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I did uh, I did have on my Christmas list Final Fantasy 15, but my my mom told me she's like I looked it up. And it seemed there were, like, four or five different versions of the game, like, different editions and, like, deluxe versions and things. So, you know what? I'm going to let you pick that one. <laughs> I'm like, all right. That's, that's fair. fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. How about you, Carl? Any good loot? Um, I got two books that my sister stole from her work. Nice. <laughs> so other good. than that, so good. we don't really do Christmas presents anymore yeah i i this is like the first year in a while i've gotten some things like well that's not true my parents always like to get me stuff which i feel a little weird about because i'm like over 30 now i'm like i'm like mom you don't you don't have to get me christmas presents and she's like just send me a list of things you want and i'm like all right yeah my my parents first of all they explicitly say we don't need or want anything. Please do not buy us any gifts. Second thing is that they usually just write all the kids' checks. And the third thing is that my mom still is like, well, I want to get every everyone like something small at least so that everyone has something to open like on Christmas. But other than that, at this point, it's mostly just like, you know, buying toys for all the all of the small children that are now running around. Um which is fun. I got a bunch of trucks and Legos and not Legos, Play-Doh kits and stuffed animals and things like that. Little kids are like easy to shop for in a fun way. Yeah. I I felt really bad though because so my my brother-in-law or my brother-in-law, my stepbrother um emailed me a few days before Christmas or a few days before they came up. We did Christmas like the weekend before. Um, and he was like, look, there's this thing that Asher wants, my, my older nephew, uh, there's this thing that Asher wants, they're not in stock anywhere around here, but it looks like there's some, um, at the Target, like, by where I live. So I went, and, uh, they didn't have it, but I got him something similar, but I, I didn't realize, they're like, rescue trucks, I didn't realize that they have buttons on them that, 
like each button makes a different loud rescue vehicle oh, noise. No. <laughs> His poor parents. I know, I felt so bad. Because, Did you see that uh, thing that sorry, go on. Oh no, I just like I had sort of committed myself to not buying annoying gifts. Like mm-hmm. annoying to parents gifts and like I I went to Target after work, so it was like ten thirty at night when I went there. And I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even see there was a giant arrow pointing at the buttons that said, Try me! I make noise! <laughs> I just I didn't see Oh no. It. So they yeah. need, like, warning labels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, warning parents. Oh, um, yeah. Did you see that thing that went around about the, like, children's toy that you have to scream at? No. Uh, there's, like, they're, like, little animal racer things, and they're, like, noise activated. So you race them by seeing who can yell louder at the toy. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And there's this great story going around about, like, um, a a mom who, like, got one of these for her kids, th- kid thinking, like, okay, this is a naturally, like, loud uh, and boisterous kid. You know, he yells all the time anyway, so <clears throat> we'll get him this, like, yelling spider thing. Um, but the kid was, like, terrified of it because it was a spider. But the problem is the more he screamed, the more it chased him. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so good. Holy shit. I'm just, oh, I'm just thinking about that. It's just like a small child screaming and being chased by a spider. And now he'll learn to keep quiet. (laughs) Everyone's happy. (laughs) Unintended lesson. Good job, Mom. Wow. Yeah. Who buys a toy for loud children? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I could see it, like, theoretically, maybe they would be so hype on this toy that you scream at that they would scream themselves hoarse. (laughs) <laughs> and then you don't have to listen to them for yeah, a while. Yeah. Yeah, no, everything on the Tumblr post said, hey, here's a great Christmas present for people who have children that you hate. <laughs> yeah. Good boy. Yeah, so <laughs> that was, uh, I, I was amused by that. But yeah, so my my last few weeks have mostly consisted of just playing Dream Drop Distance and remembering why I like that game so much. God, that is, like, probably my favorite Kingdom Hearts game. Nice. It's, there's so many baffling but awesome decisions. Like, okay, what if it had Materia, but also the Materia were Pokemon? What? Excuse me? Yes. That is a thing in this game. Oh, boy. And they the, the visual design on them is all, like, Pokemon by way of Lisa Frank. Like, they oh. are just the brightest colors. Oh, man. I is I might have to like once I uh am living with my boyfriend and have access to all of the remixes which he has I might also have to pick up Dream Drop Distance just because it's good it's got um like one of my favorite uh motion mechanics so they they do this thing called flow motion which is basically if you're dodge rolling and you dodge roll into a like a piece of the scenery, 
it like puts you in this mode where you can do like crazy hyper jumps and spins and things. Um, And it feels broken. It feels like they designed the levels without realizing that you could just like use that to infinitely chain jumping up walls. Oh boy! And then they and then they discovered it and they just like ah whatever and left (laughs) it in. (laughs) And it's so much fun. I mean that's fair. Yeah. It feels like all those games are made by like half a studio. (laughs) Maybe. And the other ones just went missing. Yeah, I don't even know. It works though. It's like the unfortunately the PS4 version. There are a few things that like were clearly meant to be DS native that don't make as much sense on the PS4. Because um, there's some stuff that like relies on depth of field and the touch-based controls. And they kind of try and make up for it, but it doesn't quite feel right. But th- those are usually pretty minor things. Um, like the little mini-games where you play with your Materia Pokemon. Uh if you if you want to see what I'm talking about, Kelso, I recommend Google uh, Dream Eater Spellican. Uh, that's one of the bosses I just fought recently. Cool. Uh, and Spellican, yeah, and he's uh, he's like a wizard bird, and he has a book that is a hat and also a wig. Whoa! <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So they're all variations of like weirdly colorful like toy-looking critters. (laughs) There's also one called Beetle-like that's like an elephant on a skateboard that I think is unique to the the, uh, uh, PS4 version. Also, I I dug up a tweet that I found that that just talking about Kingdom... How many times, how many episodes in the past, by the way, have we started by having a long segment talking about Kingdom Hearts? Well, get used to it, because that's going to be all of February. All of February is just going to be my, like, Kingdom Hearts 3, like, weekly report. So. Also, uh, for for our listeners, that is the sound of the garage door directly beneath me opening up and dogs barking, because people are home now. Um, (laughs) Anyway, let me just, let me just read this tweet out. It says, okay, it's from Twitter user at Dai, Dai uh Disney plus Square. So we don't know if this game will actually sell, so we can't guarantee a sequel. Nomura. Okay, but can I use some of our CG budget to make a secret ending the player has to unlock that contains all my ideas for a sequel? Disney and Square. No? Nomura. I already did it. But <laughs> the sequel's half done. But the secret movie for the sequel is also done. <laughs> and then the final tweet is... Uh, just a, a, uh, a frame from, uh, The Watchmen, and it just says, I did it! <laughs> it's, uh, Ozzy, Ozymandias saying, I did it. Anyway, nice. I don't know. It, it doesn't, I, look, it's not funny having read it out loud, but. <laughs> no, it's great. It was really okay, funny. Anyway. Yeah, it was you're really committed. funny when I read it to myself a couple days ago. Uh, so now you all have to hear it. That sounds about accurate. Uh, Oh yeah, speaking of uh, getting to play the remixes when I move in with my boyfriend, that's fucking happening probably in the next two months, moving two-thirds of the way across the country over to Virginia. So oh, nice. that's fine. We'll have to deal with the uh, time zone issues. Again! <laughs> <laughs> More than we already do. It's fine. Yeah, I think it'll be okay. 
that's cool. Congrats. Yeah, I guess. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. We uh we were going to fill out an application for this apartment that we like today, but we haven't done it yet. Whoops. <laughs> is it fine. like a nice area, or is it just close it's... to people you know, or? It's uh, it's close to where he got a job. So he got a job in Virginia Beach, and we're looking not in Virginia Beach, but in the surrounding area. So it looks nice. It's right by grocery stores. Like it's right behind a Kroger. Is the nice. apartment? So like that's convenient. Yeah, walking distance to grocery stores should not be underestimated as like a yeah. a real estate bonus. Yeah. There's the garage door again. Good job. <sighs> I don't know Gotta... if it shows up in the recording, but... Well, I can hear it, but I don't know if that okay. means that, uh, that... It, it depends on whether it's picked up by your mic, I guess? I'm assuming that it will be. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, okay, what's what else is the Kingdom Hearts news, or should we, should we talk, talk about, about other things? About the actual meat of the podcast. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, I probably could keep talking about, uh, not just Kingdom Hearts, but, like, things, but let's, let's not, because we played an awesome game, and we should we talk did. about the awesome game we played. Yes. Uh, Alright. Who's gonna, we played Gris! We played I'll Gris. Just, I'll be the one who says it. <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure, I think Carl introduced it last oh. time? Question mark? Yeah, we played Gris. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, so it came out recently, um, published by Devolver, uh, developed by... Nomada. Question mark? Nomada, Nomada. Studio. Nomada Studios. Um, recently released, and, uh, <laughs> goddamn, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have a hard time being like objective about this one. We always try and and be like somewhat objective and like even you know even in terms of like not criticizing it too much, but recognizing games flaws. But uh, in fact, when we have guests on, we have like a whole disclaimer about that. Yeah. Uh, but like uh, it. it's beautiful. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. I cried real hard. We are uh, all on the same page. This cheers. game is amazing yeah tears of tears of like just just joy and catharsis yes <laughs> like it, it, damn. it gave me that feel real hard like this is a thing that i've recognized about myself the older i get the more likely i am to cry over just like beautifully crafted art not necessarily because it is beautiful but because i like recognize how much fucking work goes into that shit and that it's a miracle that anything gets made, let alone things that are incredibly beautiful. And yeah. that was frequent in this yeah. game. So Yeah. I have I have heard um and I have heard some criticisms of the game, but they're all like criticism via like lack of praise, right? Like, oh, it's not as innovative mechanically as other indie games yeah, or it's the, the, it's you know <laughs> the the weirdest I mean, criticism that i've heard is uh 
this game isn't as hard as Celeste. Therefore, 7 out of 10, I think, was the score. Which is like, <laughs> yeah. what? <clears throat> yeah, it's like, oh, the mechanics are kind of, like, perfunctory. Like, it's, you know, it's not challenging. It's like, fuck you! It's not supposed to be challenging! <laughs> like, so, that's not this is something that really bothers me <laughs> with Telos that um, a lot of time when people, especially designers, talk about games, they always focus, like, on the design, and sometimes design have to, like, take a back seat and be a support. And also, like, fuck that, the design on this game is perfect. Uh, because, and, and also, like, it is designed yeah. to be the game that it is trying to be, which is, in part, yeah, exactly. an accessible game that lots of people can play without hurting themselves. You know, like, it's yeah. not a game that is meant to make you frustrated in any way. Yeah, and... and triple, quadruple fuck anybody who's going to criticize an indie game in terms of another indie game. Like, that's just not fucking helpful at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, this game... I mean, any any game that is... Or any criticism that is this game is not game blank, that it is in no way trying to emulate. Yeah. And I liked game blank better. Like, it's, it's like, okay, so you have different tastes. That's fine. It's like a weird holdover to the idea that indie game is a genre in itself, which is yeah. quite stupid. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, Gris is a game that is primarily about just being gorgeous. It's a game about grief and mm -hmm. about dealing with grief, um, which we should talk about it in relation to, at some point, uh, in relation to uh, a story, about, story my about, about my uncle. Yeah, which is the other game we played about grief. Yeah. Um, but uh the like the so it's it's a ostensibly like a puzzle platformer but and there are some few puzzles that it's you know it still feels good to accomplish and solve but it's not a hard game like it's pretty obvious right off the bat uh what you have to do in most situations and um there are a few like slightly harder like paths slash puzzles slash challenges but they're all optional um and the the um there's like no way to die so you, you like there's no way to permanently lose anything um you, it just like you can maybe fall to the ground and have to climb something again that you failed to to make a jump but it never like sets you back really very far so uh and and the the main selling point is it is gorgeous the oh like God. art style is like this beautiful like watercolor uh style and they do a lot of stuff with kind of the the feel of watercolor and the feel of like paint dripping into water and that kind of cloud effect they figured out how to make that a shader in unity i guess which is amazing yeah yeah i was i was watching those shaders <laughs> yeah right mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Th that's some quality shaders right there, Chef Kiss. And it looks so, uh, like, I looked at how you would make it, and it doesn't look that complicated, but it's just so juicy. Yeah. Yeah, they just they, they just nailed it, exactly. And they, they deploy it at the right times. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like it's, you know, oh, hey, we found out how to do a cool thing, we're just going to do it all the time. It's... <clears throat> deployed at opportune moments. Um, specifically when you regain colors. So the, the basic gist of the game is that 
um, you start out singing and then you lose your voice and the process of losing your voice, uh, like you, it drains all color from the world. It's, it's like a metaphor for trauma. Um, and we can talk about like specifically what the trauma is, but it's easy enough to interpret it as a metaphor for like basically any, any trauma or grief, um, as, as you need to. Uh, and it's, uh, so the world becomes black and white. You lose all your ability to sing and to move, uh, you know, to have like, like movement mechanics, um, except for like a slow walk. And then slowly over the course of the game, you regain the colors and you regain your movement abilities, uh, which are in the form of shapes, which is kind of great. Mm-hmm. Uh, because your main character has this big billowy cloak, which is a super beautiful visual design. Yes. And you, as you gain new movement abilities, your cloak can change into different shapes. So, for instance, <clears throat> the first one in the red level is that you gain square, and square lets you become like a big blocky cube that you can use to withstand wind, like not get you know pushed around by wind, and also to slam downwards through um, delicate areas and, and break through walls. Mm-hmm. And switches. Yes. There's a, couple, there's a couple of those, not a whole lot, but... Yeah, knockdown switches. Yeah, so so as soon as you get out of black and white is just kind of like the intro area where you just like learn how to jump, um, and then red is like this windmill area where there's this big storm that picks up, and this is one of those really good uses of that like liquid smoke shader um, because yeah. when the wind rolls in, it is dark and stormy and really quite scary. And the music just goes crazy. The music is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it feels ominous and shit when that Yeah. Happens. It's like huge, like pipe organ arpeggios and like big choral voices. It's very, uh, scary, majestic. Yeah, the the sound design in this game is also freaking top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you make your way through the winds. There's also um, there's like a lot of it's like uh, the the red area is like a desert. It's like full of these big stone caves. By the way, we're gonna be describing a lot of stuff in this podcast, but none of the descriptions are gonna do justice to the experience of playing the game. So I highly recommend if anyone hasn't played this game that after before or after you listen to this, you go out and get it yourself because it is not it. We are in no way like really doing justice to the experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or just Google it and judge for yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, so it's uh, it's the primarily a desert area. There is one spot where you you break through a floor and you find yourself in a realm of statues, mm-hmm. like these fragile statues, uh, and there's a reflection of yourself in the ground surrounded by these black birds. And the, the, so the statue is a recurring motif. Uh, it's a statue of a weeping woman. Um, and there's, there's this sort of refrain of weeping as well in the, uh, in the game, because whenever you unlock a new color, it starts with you kind of like curling into a ball and crying uh, on the hand of one of these statues. Uh, I don't know if either of you did. Either of you get to the uh, the like secret cutscene part? I did not. 
I was thinking mm. about going back and doing it, but I did not. Oh. Because that's the one where you have to collect all the mementos and... Yeah, you yeah. have to get to all the mementos. Okay, yeah, so the... Um, in the secret cutscene, they revealed that, uh, or they heavily imply that the figure in the statue is your character's mother. That's sort of what I assume. Yeah. yeah I mean, so I, also, one thing, could you go back and get those? Uh, well, once you finish the game, you can use chapter select to go back and get them. And it oh. just, it, they're permanently oh, yeah. unlocked, so um, it, even if you jump around a bunch, it still counts. Yeah, there's there's one, I think, in like the first area that you actually have to go back to later when you have all your abilities. I think you need to swim a bit to get to it. Yeah. 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 So. Um, but yeah, you can't get back to like older versions of uh, <laughs> of the levels, um, but you can do, do it through chapter select, so it's fine. Um, yeah, I had assumed on my first playthrough that the statue was of herself. Um, or yeah, a I was about to a 50-50 on... I was about to say 50-50. I, I mean, I said 50-50. But it was like herself, her mother, or a loved one. Yeah. Like, a love interest. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So the implication is that it's her mother, but I it it works easily with any of those interpretations. The point is that it's, it is someone who is somehow lost even if that like could metaphorically be like she lost her herself or her image of herself or her old happiness or anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, that works easily well, you know, as well as an interpretation. Um, so yeah, so you find this black and white area full of these weeping statues. Uh, and when you go to like break something, uh, you shatter the ground and you release all of these black birds from the reflection and they carry you um, back up and out. And this becomes important. <laughs> it, yes. Yeah, that that part was the part where I really noticed um, how well this game uses scale. Uh, yeah. Like, at the very beginning, for the most part, it's really zoomed out, which I feel like <laughs> breaks a lot of platformer rules. I know there's probably somewhere, like, a proscribed set of like, this is how much screen real estate the ground plane should take up, and this is how much screen real estate the background <laughs> should take up, and this is how much the character should take up. But this game is constantly zooming in and out to show you either, like, the the space within which, where, where like, the puzzle that you're currently on is contained, or zooming in to just show you, hey, look at this nice, nice scenery that we built. Yeah. And... I mean, it's it's very cinematic in that yeah. way. Yeah, they also do, like, a lot of just zoom for effect. Yeah. Yeah, and they and they, they take care with, like, what a camera angle means, because oftentimes mm-hmm. when you zoom out, you feel a lot more isolated, and when you zoom in, you feel a lot more intimate. Like, mm-hmm. this is used to intentional effect. Yeah, and really, really nicely, nicely done. Yeah, and so uh, your your goal as you're going through each of these uh, areas is to collect stars. So are the, there are these little points of light, uh, and periodically throughout the game there are bridges where you need to have like X points of light uh, with you in order to cross. So you know, like this is a two point of light bridge. So I can't continue until I found both points of light in this area, and then later on there's like a four point bridge. Uh, and then at the end of each 
level, the the stars go up uh, into the sky and they start to form this like path in the sky with it. And it's clearly like each each one from each set from the level like adds onto it, and you can see that it's eventually going to form a path that you can travel upwards. Um, so there's this idea even pretty early on of this overarching goal of like, okay, I'm building a path to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the end of, let's see, the end of red, you unlock green, right? Yes. Uh, and green is the forest level. Uh, so as, as you unlock each color, it like brings a certain amount of life back to the world. Like the desert is very barren. Um, so now you're bringing like trees and greenery back, uh, by going to the forest. And I mean, if anybody, by the way, feel free, if anybody else wants to take over narrating. You meet a friend in the forest and he's very cute. He's a little, he's a little cube, cube boy. And you, you gain his trust by feeding him apples. I loved it. I'm not sure what he is. Because he's made from rock, but he's also plant, and he eats apples. Yeah. Yes. And there's... He looks he looks like something from like an Amanita Studios game. Yeah. A little bit. And and later on in the game, you meet like you go into his sort of home cave where his whole like tribe or whatever lives, and they're all they all look like they're made out of like pieces of broken pottery that are kind of stacked together. I don't know. Yeah. They're they all cute. have different funny shaped heads. Yeah. And because he's a cube head, he can do cube powers with you. So if you do a jump and slam, he also does a jump and slam. Oh, God, he's so cute. <laughs> he was great. I really kind of want a plush of little, like, cube friend. Oh, that would actually... I, that would probably not be too difficult to make. Maybe. <laughs> I say that, but I my sewing skill is almost none. <laughs> I, I feel like squares are hard to make if you want them to actually be, like, rigidly squares, but... I I also have very little sewing skills, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's also there's I should say there's little achievements in each uh, area that you can get. Um, they're not important. They're just kind of like, hey, you did a thing. Um, like in red, there's a, a bunch of like balancing balanced stones, and you can slam them all uh, down and break them. Uh, but in this chapter, it's, you can find all the apples for your friend to eat. Yeah, I. I like I recognize those as being probably achievement related and I think in every level I tried to get all of them and in no level did I succeed. <laughs> Apples was the only one that I got first try. Yeah. Uh in to be fair in the uh in the final area that was largely because um I failed to recognize what the actual objective was. That's fair. I thought it was, was blooming flower. I thought it was blooming flowers, but it's uh, it's the peacocks. It's like the peacock tails. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel what's like I should one? watch achievements more in games. <laughs> I so weirdly like, even though I've been like sleeping in a bunch lately because it's vacation. For whatever reason, I just woke up at like five forty-five on Christmas morning. <laughs> and it was like, well, I guess I'm just awake now. So I went and I found a walkthrough and I just got, like, most of the achievements. Nice. Yeah, I probably have looked at the same or a similar walkthrough. And, I... uh, and that's when I got the mementos, too. Yeah. Yeah, some of those mementos, man, it's like, I feel like I did a pretty good job finding all of them. And then I go, the the it shows you what mementos or how many mementos you have 
as in the form of like a carving on the wall of sort yeah, of the it's hub very, area. Yeah, like, it's very journey. Yeah, uh, and and I would go back to that and be like, God damn, I got like half half of them, and I thought I did yeah. so well. I thought I was so thorough. <laughs> yeah, most le- most of the levels have seven. A few of them have fewer than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and yeah, there's different statues. Um, I mean, they're not even really statues. They're just uh, like little stone temple type areas, little stone gazebos um, that have a carving and then the number of of uh, extra mementos you've found. I'm and... so proud. I only missed two. Wow. I, I missed two that I didn't know where they were. I missed a total of four. But I I know where they were. I I just took the wrong path and couldn't go back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's I have mixed feelings about that because on the like I was it, it itched my collector thing a little bit that I couldn't go back and collect the things. But I was pretty confident. I'm like, okay, this is not the sort of game that wants me to feel this way. <laughs> like, yeah. this is not how the game wants me to feel. And I, I feel but like... They, there. they Well, I feel like they will give me a, a way to easily, like, go check that off my list later. And they did, so... They did. Um, yeah, I was a little bit uncertain about whether those should be in there or not. I feel like they are a little bit against the overall aesthetic of the game. Um, because they're they're probably the gamiest element of like here's a bunch of MacGuffins for you to collect yeah um but it is it does feel nice to seek them out and then get this like yeah they're satisfying to get yeah and it's also a way of including slightly more challenging sequences in the game without making them mandatory which i like yeah um so overall i think you know i i view them positively but it's uh it's that's the one detail that I'm like not a hundred percent sure on. Um, yeah. So you help your little forest friend um, get all the apples, and then he helps you get some lights, and you work your way through the forest, uh, and then you encounter the bird. Oh boy, the bird was like the only thing that I had seen of this game prior to playing this game, uh, and the bird really sold me. <laughs> on this yeah. Game. It's like a bird made of like black goo. That like moves around like smoke, and it can dissolve itself and reform itself. And yeah, it's in some of the trailers, uh, and it's really quite scary, actually. In person, yeah. it screams at you. It does. It screams real, real loud. Uh, and it doesn't do anything to you other than scream at you, but it's very it menacing. It it does blow you down, I guess. Um, I, I mean, it's hard for it to really do anything. In a game with no damage mechanics, so... Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah, it can't hurt you, but it does knock you back. Mm-hmm. Um, it does... Well, we'll get to that in the water section. Yeah. But, uh... So the... Um, the forest section is where you learn the diamond shape, which is double jump. Um, so double jump does two things. It lets you normally do, like, a double jump and float down, so you have a much, like, breezier, floatier jump. Um, but it also lets you ride little red birds. Um, so there are, or butterflies maybe, um, there are these, uh, sections where you can find a little flutter of three red triangle shapes that are meant to be birds or butterflies or something. Um, and you can use them to perform like super high boost jumps to specific areas. So the... You actually have sort of a boss fight in this chapter, 
with the bird, where you are, uh, you you have to like use your new jumps and your new like platforming skills to to get around it and to to get away from it as it tries to like scream at you and blow you off cliffs and things. The 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 bird assisted high jump also feels really great. And there are there are a lot of really great sequences where um, you have to like chain your bird jumps, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. That, I will say that like the mechanics are not complex in this game, but they are tight. Mm-hmm. They they are like really well designed to feel satisfying and to have like a smooth and pleasant motion to them. Everything is satisfying in this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I. I think, like, if a game is to be good, it has to feel good to move around. Yeah. And this game absolutely does this. Yeah. It, it Whatever the thing is that you are doing the most of should feel pleasant to do. And that is the case here. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I feel like in, like, modern AAA, like big budget 3D, especially open world games, like like I notice it a lot playing Red Dead, uh, in other Rockstar games and in I don't know, Final Fantasy Fifteen. Like just any like modern high budget 3D game. The the animation is so tied to the motion capture that it feels like you're like shoving the character around the screen because there's so much uh, inertia involved in like walk in this direction now walk in that direction and it's just yeah. like having grown up on Super Mario 64 which has probably to this day still the tightest controls of of any <laughs> any like yeah. big 3D game it's infuriating uh, and I like that I don't know it's just it's always nice to go back to games where it's like this is tight and responsive and it feels nice yeah, and that's like that's the nice thing too about hand animation. Is like mm-hmm. the animations are beautiful and also exactly what they need to be. Yeah. Right? Like the one thing that struck me, which is such a small detail, um, but the little the little forest friend when he eats an apple, he eats that apple in two bites. Uh and it's very stylized and it's very clear that he's finished the apple, but it's two bites means that it's very short. So the animation doesn't like you don't end up sitting there waiting for him to eat an apple for for a long time. And it's just it's so like beautifully stylized in a functional way. Like this game is all about stylization meets functionality in a way that's just really gorgeous. Mm -hmm. The, The other thing that I noticed was how how good the transitions are between different forms of movement. Like, even though they're very fast, they always look fluid. I spent, look, being a 2D animator, I spent a whole lot of time just, like, jumping around, (laughs) splashing in puddles, looking at the animations. Fall a long distance so you can see the way she, like, does a swirl right before she hits the ground Mm -hmm. to cushion her fall in a just beautiful, elegant way. I also really appreciated that the walk cycle... You know, normally a walk cycle is exactly how many frames it takes for them to make two steps and begin to get from the beginning to the next beginning of, like, taking a step. But this was actually, like, longer to account for the the flow of the cloak. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that was nice. Yeah. And the, the walk, so when you're in cube form, you can walk. It's just much more slow. Mm-hmm. And she does this adorably heavy side-to-side waddle yeah. when she's carrying herself with this big, heavy square shape. And you actually see the cube kind of tilt into 3D mm-hmm. a little bit. So you can see the sides of it, which is an unnecessary detail, but looks and feels great. Yes. They did not have to make the cube rotate that way, but it feels so good yeah. that it does. Oh, this game is so good, you guys. <laughs> it's so good! <laughs> um, yes. All right, so that's Forest. What's that? So, ocean? Is that uh, Ocean, next? yeah. So yeah. you yeah you unlock uh, Blue Wait. at the end. Is it cave, which becomes ocean? Or yes. Is it... okay. yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. So you unlock blue first, uh, and blue you go down downstairs to the bottom. So there's like this big hub area we kind of briefly touched on in the middle that you return to at the end of every level. That's where your stars are gathering up at the top, uh, and each time you do, it's got like new things that have grown in from the last one like oh now that you've like finished the forest a bunch of vines have grown and you know now that you've um you know now that you have the drop power you can like drop through this cracked area in the floor that you can before things like that so uh the when you unlock blue you unlock the rain and even the forest floods a little bit um it's like the water comes back and when you get back to the temple, there's like a you can get to this underground area that's now filled with uh, with water. And at first you're a pretty lousy swimmer. It's a kind of a slow process uh, to swim through, but they don't have a ton of water. So it's not like it doesn't feel arduous or anything. Uh, and you make your way down through the the main water watery area into this cave. And like everything else in the game, it's utterly gorgeous. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's all this like bioluminescent mushrooms and things on the walls and these like broken down temple remnants and it's very cool. Yeah, and and a really great like a lot of stuff is in silhouette in this point, which like I don't know I always appreciate because that's such a good way of saving effort. Yeah, <laughs> and it looks great. Yeah, it's it's yeah, the lighting the lighting choices and the color choices in this section are are pretty pretty next level. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's uh so you get you get your way through the cave section uh and to this like waterlogged temple where you unlock uh triangle which is M- manta cloak. Yes. <laughs> you become like a little uh like a uh, manta ray and you can do water dashes and swim under the surface of the water. Uh, and it, and it feels real good. I was reminded of uh, that feeling in Aquaria when you jump out of the top of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's really satisfying to like power your way around the water area. Yeah, Cause Aquaria didn't Aquaria have like a, like a, like a faster swim form. Or am I am I imagining that? Well, yes, there was like a fish yeah. form. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The general movement in Aquaria was kind of like fine. It was functional, <laughs> but like not spectacular. But it it contrasts with when you get to the surface of the water in Aquaria, you can do like 
jumps mm -hmm. in a way that just felt really juicy. And this is like all jumps all the time. Yeah. It's, it feels real nice. And you can still do jumps. You can like, if you get to the surface of the water, you can do like rocket out of the water. And there are puzzles in this section where you have to like gather um, some red bird uh, guys from the, from an area in the water and then leap out of the water as a fish and then do a bird jump in midair from that. And it, it's like, it's a cool thing to, to chain together. Mm -hmm. And in this section and in, well, I think, I think one of my favorite things about this is that you, you get all these mechanics, but you never really abandon mechanics. Yes. Um, so the, one of the things that's introduced in the cave section is like areas of water that are sort of suspended. So you're traversing the water. Like you go in at the top and then you go down and you come out the bottom of the water and you're like on land again. It's hard to describe. Yeah. Um, like floating, floating kind of bubbles or cross sections of water that you can exit in any direction. Yeah. And those are so fun to just like leapfrog through. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're like the tops of trees. They'll be like these weird, uh, like uh, like trunks and branches that just have a big square of water instead of leaves mm -hmm. and you just like dash and dive from one to the other and yeah it's some it's some satisfying movement physics yes it's real nice um so you do that at one point um there's an area at the bottom of the screen that's like abyssal depths dark uh, and so in order to get through it, you have to wake up a sea turtle. Um, there's a big old sea turtle, and he is made of light, or his body is made of light, or his I body is light. I just realized how adventure game it is sounds. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's it's very dreamlike. It's very surreal in a way that, uh, that just, uh, uh, you know, it makes sense at the time. You never feel, like, lost, like, mm -hmm. what should I be doing? Um, cause it's like, it's clear there's like a space where there's like six stars and you're like, okay, clearly I have to go get these six stars and you get the six stars and then it turns around and it's surprise, it's a turtle. And it's like, yeah. follow me. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, like yeah. it, you see it before it like wakes up before you activate it. And it's like a pod because all the flippers in the head are like retracted into the shell. And I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a submarine that you get into. <laughs> and then I felt, I felt Adventure game logic. I felt stupid thinking that it was a submarine and not, <laughs> duh, obviously it's a magic giant turtle. turtle. <laughs> duh, you idiot. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, the, the inscription in the temple for this level is a giant turtle. Yeah, I don't know if I'd seen that at that point. <laughs> you might have to go past it, but I don't, I don't know if I had seen it yet. Or if I did, I didn't make the connection. Which is uh, likely. <laughs> Oh, one thing I forgot to mention from the forest section, that bird that fights you, uh, that bird is formed out of the cloud of little black birds that you released earlier mm -hmm. um, from the, the crying statues area. Um, so it turns out uh, that that bird has followed you. Yeah. Those black birds are not leaving you alone. Uh, and once you've... So you, you take the turtle... You go through, like, the dark area into another area, uh, and then the bird finds you, only this time it's not the bird anymore because you're in the water, uh, so it transforms itself into a giant eel. 
Um, Eel gets a bad rep in games. (laughs) I mean, Moray eels do look like they want to fight you. I mean, (laughs) they look evil. I don't know. I always thought that they just look, like, confused. Like, they have this, like, perpetually open, perfectly (laughs) circular eyes, and their mouth is kind of always curved into, like, a tiny little half smile. It's like, what the (laughs) fuck is going on here? Is the face. Is the face that I get. Fair enough. I mean, that's, yeah, that's fair. Um, Not this eel, though. Yeah. This eel is angry and wants to eat you, and it chases you. Yeah. It chases the heck out of you. It does. Wait, Uh, is this uh, before or after where you have the new frozen mechanic? Oh, the crystals, yeah. I forgot about that. That's That's... such a brief section. Yeah, Yeah, it is. I think that's, the crystal bit is where you, is where you collect the stars to unlock the swim form, I think, which is also, I think, I feel like that's where it is. Uh, It's cool. Yeah, it looks badass. Yeah, there's a thing where there's like a bunch of bright stars in a cavern, and every so often they flash, and when they flash it creates like a crystalline version of you wherever you were at the time. Mm -hmm. So you have to use the, you have to use cube form to make like platforms for yourself to get to where we yeah. need to go. Which was a nice, like, I felt clever for figuring this out kind of moment. Yeah, it, um, it, it took me as, a couple tries, but then I got it and was like, oh, look at me. Yeah, as well as a good, like, hey, don't forget, you have other shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they, they do a great job in this game of making sure that you continue to use the things that you've already unlocked. Mm-hmm. And it always it always feels like you know, you have a toolbox and you're using anything and everything in that toolbox to to, to progress. Uh, also, going back to the sound design, I love the little crunchy footstep noise that you get when you're walking on the crystal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's yeah. good. The, the crystal section in general is, it's it's good. It's, it's like the only mechanic that kind of is there as a one-shot thing and then doesn't come back. I get well. I guess that's not true if you count like uh, the little the, guy following you, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But um, it's it feels like its own thing, and it's only there kind of really briefly. Um, right. So yeah, yeah. So the the so the eel like chases you through a series of tunnels, um, and when the tunnels divide, the eel like spits out smaller versions of itself in cool. a way that's like gross and cool and really scary yeah uh yeah that's and it's it's a section that because of the music and the pacing it feels really tense but there's not it's not like you can lose the section you can let the eel bite you there's an achievement the the only achievement i haven't gotten in the game is to get through that entire section without having the eel bite you even once Mm -hmm. Um, but when it bites you, it just, like, not nothing happens. You just get bitten. Yeah, the section, uh, is, is pretty on rails, actually. Yeah. Um, it does a lot of the control for you. Yeah. You can, like, it, you're pretty much, your only, uh, decisions are, like, when the path forks, you decide which of the two tunnels you want to go down, and you can decide when to boost, mm-hmm. um, which... Only the only effect that has is like if you boost at the right times you don't get bitten. So 
But it's still, like, they do a good job with the kind of atmospheric elements to make it feel very tense, even though it's not technically. Yep. I keep thinking about my trying to get my mom to play this game um, because she's an artist and would absolutely love to see, like, you know, she has a background in animation. She would love this game. She would be crazy for it aesthetically. Um, And I've had her play games before, but she really doesn't like like time and skill pressure stuff. Like she, she enjoyed Machinarium a lot because she could just wander around at her own pace and kind of do whatever. And I, I feel like that section would be really scary for her, even though, you know, like we know as gamers, we're like, okay, system wise, clearly like there's, this system is pretty locked in place. But if you don't know that in terms of, you know, enough about game conventions to like, try stuff and figure out that it's not that it's all like smoke and mirrors I could see this being like a really terrifying (laughs) sequence yeah it's already pretty scary yeah uh and then there's well a little later well there's an interlude yeah Yeah. a nice little interlude interlude with some more puzzles there's some like underground temple areas that you're moving around which are pretty rad Mm -hmm. uh there's some stuff to do with, like, reflections in water. It took me an embarrassingly long time to figure out. I mean, it wasn't that long. It was a couple minutes, but I when I figured that part out... Basically, there's a temple above the water and then one reflected in the water below it. And the columns that are broken in the temple up top show you the path that you can take through the water in the temple... In the reflected temple. Uh, I, it took me a the- minute. <laughs> Honestly, on the way in, I figured it out by brute force. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then on the way at, swimming out of the temple, I looked up and I'm like, oh, this matches the temple up at the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how about that? I just like was because sw- I liked swimming around so much. I just swam around and kind of rubbed against all the edges until I was able to get make my way through. Yeah. I was I was kind of stuck because I tried to use the bottom temple to try oh. and figure out the one at the top. No, no, you had it backwards. Because yeah. there is a thing. In the yeah, yeah, there's a yeah but you have to you there. have to get through it by like coming around from the other side. Yeah, it's uh, it's and I I was like, oh, is there a way that I can get up there? But if you jump up, you can see just the bare bare edge of a an area of water right above it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, there must be a way that I can get into that water and drop down from above, yeah. uh, and that is what you do. Um, is that one of the ones that you knew where it was but didn't get? No, I got that one. Okay, yeah, you found it. So um, everyone I saw, I managed to get. Then, so what were the two that you know where they are but you didn't see them? Um, they were both in the red area. One where you dropped down to the blackbirds. Mm, I just yeah. didn't take one of the paths. Oh, right, yeah. right, yeah. And the other one was was something similar, right? I dropped down. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes if you don't do the right thing at the right time, you block yourself off from revisiting other paths. But again, you can come back at the end with chapter select, so it's like not a huge deal. Although it it is it is a little frustrating if you are a completionist. It feels like you're missing something, yeah. but. Um, but you just got it. That's that's the thing I just had to learn to let go in this game. Yeah. 
Uh, so you do the little interlude in the middle of the the underground water area, and Kelso, then what happens? Then there's the only jump scare in the game! <laughs> yeah. Fuck that eel. <laughs> <laughs> like, basically you're, you're traversing sort of this, this pitch black area that periodically there's like phytoluminescent plants in the water that light up and show you the path. Uh, and then you you start to descend down another dark corridor sort of area, which you've been doing for the past couple of minutes. And the eel shows up and it snaps. <laughs> yeah, it like <laughs> comes right at you from the direction you were about to go. Oh. And the music just starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I... Good job. I was not expecting a jump scare in this game, and it got me. It got me good. Yep, uh, they they used the jump scare judiciously and at probably the perfect time to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's like just long enough since you got away from the eel in the last chase mm-hmm. that you've become complacent and you kind of forgot about it a little bit. Yeah. And you're like you've been focusing on puzzles, you weren't thinking about it, and they're like, bam, eel right in your face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the eel chases you up out of the water area. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then the the sea turtle shows up, and I think the sea turtle oh, yeah. like glows and it drives off the. Yeah, it the actually eel. explodes the eel. I think oh, it yeah, like it comes does. up from the eel's throat and like blows up the eel. Yeah. Um, yeah, this that sea turtle is a good friend. <laughs> it is. You don't see it much, but it is a powerful sea turtle. Um, yeah, so then... And uh, turtle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It is a bioluminescent um, ninja-like turtle. Uh, <clears throat> Ninja-adjacent. Um, so in from this section, you unlock yellow. Uh, and yellow is like celestial. It deals with sort of light and illusion and figments. Um... <clears throat> and you climb up into this area. And, like, honestly, the levels in this game just get prettier and prettier and yeah. prettier. <laughs> like, this area is so gorgeous. It's like this Kublai Khan pleasure garden palace in the sky uh, made of, like, l- light and illusions. Yeah, I was thinking about, like, I don't know, a... a a highly mythologized version of, like, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which itself is probably already highly mythologized. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really, really gorgeous. Uh, And the... um, So a lot of the mechanics in this deal with light, like there's sections of the castle that only show up when they're directly illuminated, and otherwise they're, like, they're not there and you would fall through them. Um, so there's things about like lighting areas and getting them to uh, to appear properly. There's also a like mirror mechanic where when you climb high enough into the castle, you pass over this like borderline and gravity is reversed. And there's like a Castlevania style like mirror upside down castle mm-hmm. <laughs> above the regular castle. Um, except I mean castles maybe the wrong word palace temple. Whatever it is, yeah. Uh, there is like a, a mirrored upside down version, and gravity is inverted, so you you do some puzzles with that. Um, and eventually, you gain the power of circle, 
which is finally you get back your ability to sing. Mm -hmm. Um, And singing uh, activates certain things in the scene if there is a thing to activate. So like you, you, there's a couple times where you make these like big weird mechanical bugs by singing at a, at a beacon. Mm -hmm. Um, You can bloom flowers. There's these like little peacocks made of light. And if you sing near them, their tail blooms out, which is kind of cute. Maybe they're not peacocks. They look more like ibises or something, but they're they're basically peacocks. They're some kind of of fancy bird. Fancy bird. Fancy (laughs) bird. Yeah, so you can bloom the fancy birds. Mm -hmm. Um, The fowls. Mm -hmm. um, And yeah, I don't know. It's just just a bunch of jumping around. And the singing is really good. They've got like three or four little like melodic clips that that gel nicely with the ambient sound and music. So mm-hmm. it always sounds kind of beautiful when you sing for a little bit. Yeah. You can also just tap the button and you sing a single note, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know, kind of fun to just, <laughs> it's like the <laughs> yeah. equivalent of like jumping everywhere, but instead you just are singing little notes everywhere <laughs> as you run through this Wait, beautiful. Can you sing while you're running? I think, well, I think if you if you just tap it and it just hits a single note, I don't think it stops you. I might be mistaken. Or, or it stops you for a small enough time that it's like not as noticeable. Yeah, I'll have to go back uh, and double check. Yeah, nice. I mean, I wish I would do that. <laughs> yeah, what the game really wants you to do is to stop and stand still and like hold down the thing because as you hold down, like a little uh, circle. Um, extends from you so you can see the radius of effect that your song has. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also, like, it's weird. It doesn't really have, like, any kind of diegetic explanation, the circle, but it's gorgeous, and it it mechanically functions as it needs to, which is to show you the radius of the power. Um, so it's, it's good. <laughs> it works. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know. Is there any, any other interesting stuff that... This is, like, the only place that doesn't have like a set piece with the dark birds. Yeah. This is also um I think this is the only place where you you go through like there's puzzle like basically you have like a central area where you eventually will unlock the ability to sing. There's puzzle on the left side and the right side. So you do the left side and the right side, you unlock the ability to sing and then you go back to each side and the ability to sing has unlocked further puzzles which you need to get through. Yeah, different variations on the same path. I was so lost. <laughs> yeah. I was just hoping I would get everything. And I did. Nice. It's it does a surprisingly good job. It is a confusing area. Like it's a it's an easy area to get lost because you're spending a lot of time upside down and it's unclear how certain areas connect to other areas. But the game does a good job of guiding you and like making it clear like what area it makes sense to go to next. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's satisfying and good. And I like, this game is well-designed. It's a very well-designed game. It's, it's designed in a way where the design never gets in your way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like it's designed in the way that like good, um, good sound editing in a movie is when you don't notice the sound editing in yeah. the movie. Like the design in this game is good enough that you don't notice it most of the time. Which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, right. So I, I think that's that's pretty much it for the like Celestial Palace. It's actually a pretty long section, but it's you know it feels very like full of play and joyous, and it makes sense because you know this is the last of the colors. You finally gotten back your ability to sing. This is kind of like a high point. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like just sort of playing around and feeling good about all having all your powers and. And it's uh, it's an open area, unlike yeah. the other ones. Yeah. It's also, it is a high point, both literally and metaphorically. It, it <laughs> yeah. is the highest point in the game physically, because you take a magical star staircase up into the sky. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, just endlessly warping upwards where you're like, this is not physically possible, but let's just keep going up. Yeah. Let's go for it. Yeah. Um, there's some of that in the uh, in the forest area too, where mm-hmm. you're like, this should not be possible. I'm pretty sure this is just hanging in the sky, but yeah, okay. You know. But like we said, it's very like surreal and dreamlike, so it doesn't it doesn't feel bad that it's impossible. It just feels like another part of the nature of the game. Um, right. So you you make your way back down. Um, <clears throat> And you have the final, like, six stars or four stars or whatever it is that you need to complete the um, to complete the staircase into the sky. Uh, so you let them go, and it completes the staircase. Uh, but then before you can take the staircase up, the eel surges back up from the water. Uh, and it, it reforms itself into just, like, a giant like circle of blackness like this inky sphere uh and then from it drips your face mm. your like your own character's face and it screams at you and then it eats you and it's fucking terrifying <laughs> oh boy um and so then you it's you falling like you were at the beginning of the game and it's back to black and white and this is the point where i started like speaking aloud to the character i was like no you've come too far we will not give in to this don't you dare give up now um and you you come to so you get buried in this like ocean of darkness um and you have to make your way out of it onto like these broken platforms it does a cool thing with the sound design here where when you're in the water the sounds are all muffled Mm -hmm. And it unmuffles as soon as you come out. If you fall back into the water, it muffles again. Um, and you, you have to climb your way up the broken pieces of the statue of this woman. And you've been seeing the statue of this woman, like, throughout the game. Every time you get a new color, you are standing on the statue of this woman. In fact, when you get the yellow color, her eyes open mm-hmm. for the first time, even though she is clearly a stone statue. Yeah. Um, but in this one, she's all, like, shattered into a bunch of pieces, uh, which is how the game starts, is that statue shattering. Mm-hmm. And you have to, like, c- climb up the broken pieces of the statue into the hand and start singing. And as you're singing, the the ocean of ooze is rising and rising and rising, and the grim tide is, like, threatening to swallow you. Uh, and then just as it does, the statue starts singing back to you. And then it, like, you know, it busts through the darkness mm-hmm. and it 
uh, you two harmonize and it starts to bring all the color and joy back to every area of the game like it, it flashes you through all the previous sections and this is the part where I was just crying so hard. Real talk though I'm like getting emotional just like thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. thinking about it. Yeah oh. like I can feel myself starting to tear up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cathartic. It is. Uh, it's just really beautiful. Um and you you know she she brings the world back to color for you or you do together. Uh, and then at the end of it, she's there as a, as a full, you know, together statue, um, floating next to the temple. And like her hand is right next to the ledge that you need to get off on to get, uh, up the celestial staircase. And so you, you know, you give her, like, you give her a final kiss goodbye. Oh, and that you know, part like was like so fucking just the tiny, tiny self just like nestled against this giant statue's face it's like the most pure love yeah uh, and then yeah and then you yeah you you go up the stars and into the sky and that's the end and that's the end oh, and so then the good. credits rolled and i cried again because <laughs> i'm like wow that just happened yeah um it was, uh, I honestly, I almost like it better as a metaphor for getting over your own trauma, mm -hmm. because I think there's something to that love at the end being a sort of self-love and like a self-forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always thought it was getting over well, your I mean, own trauma. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of like, if the statue is not your mother, but is just you. Right, like you're getting over like something bad happening either way, but if you interpret it as like something awful happened to me, like, you know, something that destroyed my body or my voice or my sense of self, and in the end what I have to learn to do is like forgive myself and love myself. Mm -hmm. So like I, I consider it like it's I mostly thought it was another person, but you're getting over your own feelings. Yeah. Towards the past. Yeah. So you're I, always fighting fighting against yourself. Yeah. The dark the dark monster is definitely like your own grief, mm -hmm. and that's really what you have to overcome. Um, but I think there's some nuance in like at the end is, you know, is the statue like your memories of this other person that you have to like that you've been cherishing that you have to say goodbye to. Or is it your sense of self that you have to kind of like reclaim and make whole again? And it's kind of both. And I, as I said, I think like all of these interpretations kind of work equally well and sometimes at the same time. Yeah, I think that's sort of the beauty of it is that it, it can be interpreted in the way that is the most healing to the player, whatever interpretation that might be. Yeah, like I... I I have never, like, actually actively considered getting a tattoo, but like, I after playing this game, it made me want to get a tattoo of something in this game, as like a thing I could look at to remind myself to like, the you know, eel. be strong. <laughs> Not the eel. <laughs> God sakes, Carl. <laughs> no, like, um, I was thinking actually the the lotus flowers that you bloom in the Sky Palace. Mm -hmm. um, like one of those maybe surrounded by the inscribed shapes 
that you get. Because I do think like each of the shapes kind of teaches you a lesson about dealing with grief, right? Because like the, especially in the beginning with the, the square, it's kind of about being stoic, right? It lets you power through the wind Mm -hmm. and like not be blown over. And it's also about like protecting yourself and like, you know, destroying things if you need to destroy things right like um kind of expressing anger and frustration um there are there are uh five um achievements in this that are that match each chapter that are the five stages of grief so you can get like denial in the black and white stage you can get anger in the red stage um you can get depression in the blue stage um think it's is it bargaining in green i think it's bargaining in green yeah i think so Um, and then yellow is acceptance um something like that Mm -hmm. um but it's uh i i almost think that that's too shallow a way of looking at it because it, it this definitely gives you a range of emotions that's not just like the standard textbook like these are the stages of grief it like you really feel like this journey of reclaiming something and getting stronger and and coming to terms with something in a much more visceral way. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it lines up with the stages of grief, but also that the stages of grief is probably necessarily a very simplified, yeah, like generalization. Yeah, and probably not universal anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just a helpful thing as like a starting point, I guess. Yeah. Which which actually brings me back to a thing I mentioned earlier. Yes. Which is uh let's talk about uh a story about my uncle. Oh man. <laughs> uh, so that's another game that we played that yeah. was ostensibly about grief and getting over the death of a loved one. Um it was much more I think about the denial stage because it was kind of like you create this internal fantasy world. Um, and we, we read later on that like the text in the game, it like literally has the stages of grief, like written in the walls, which is a very, very on the nose. Yeah. Oh boy. But the thing was like, if we hadn't learned that I was until we learned that I was skeptical about that interpretation. Yeah. I'm like, like, yeah, okay. Maybe it's about dealing with like someone you love, you know, has having gone missing and you don't really understand why or like what happened, but it's, it's a little stretch to call it the stages of grief. And then it's like, no, it's, it's literally like written on the walls. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, that was very much a game that was about its mechanics and it kind of used this idea of grief and grieving as an overlay. But Gris is so much just a game about grief and grieving that happens to have mechanics in it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need anyone to tell you it's about grief. It feels like it's about grief. Mm -hmm. I I feel like it's almost, in in some ways, a matter of perspective, where a story about my uncle has a very simple, childlike... Like, it is from the point of view of a child looking for her uncle. Yeah, and and not understanding, whereas this is a much more, like, adult... um, What's... I want to say honest, but I don't. I don't think that's necessarily yeah. fair to call it more yeah. honest. It's whatever the opposite of naive is, I guess. Yeah, 
without getting into so far as to be cynical. Yeah, I guess realistic or Mm -hmm. I don't know, something like that. It's certainly much more visceral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's kind of interesting for me to see the two, because I for the most part, I really did like a story about my uncle. I don't think like there's anything wrong with it. Um, Except for. Well, yeah. okay. We don't talk about the cube. Yeah. <laughs> Every everything I ever say about uh, about a story about my uncle comes with a giant asterisk in the shape of the cube room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Uh, aside from that, um, yeah, it's funny. Because and if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to our podcast. <laughs> it's funny because the the cube room and that whole area is the part that really has the most to do with death because. It's sort of explained as being like the graveyard for these salamander people, uh, where they like put put their their dead, uh, <laughs> and yeah. maybe and appropriately, it's frustrating it's, as fuck. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So this is a much more like kind of emotionally mature take on the concept, um, and again. You know, nothing against a story about my uncle. We had we had an, we had a fun time playing that game, giant asterisk cube room. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's like the, I didn't feel the game the way that I felt, Gris. Yeah. I didn't cry in a story about my uncle. And like honestly, even from the very beginning, Gris is like heartbreaking. Like I didn't know how to really properly word the way I was feeling early on in the game because I felt heartbroken and that doesn't make any goddamn sense for the way the game is but it was just so beautiful and sad right off the bat that I it was like it the feelings got on like under my skin immediately it looked to be uh super pretentious and dweeby right now it reminds me of a poem by Jeffrey McDaniel. I don't remember the title of the poem, but the line that I'm thinking of is, I wish there were band-aids for what you don't know. <laughs> Which is, like, the realest thing. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah, and it's... So it reminded me in other ways... Um, this is, like, the first game that I'm going to compare to Journey, where I feel like it does not suffer at all by comparison. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, oh, this is Journey, but better. Um, they're just very different games. Um, but it it felt to me like Journey in the same way that when I first saw someone play Journey, the experience of it felt like a symphony. It wasn't so much a story, like a straightforward narrative, A happens and then B happens. It was just a journey through a sequence of emotions, like a structured journey through a sequence of emotions, the way that a strong symphony is. Mm -hmm. And I think Gris does the exact same thing um, in that respect as Journey. In that it's it's less a it's less that it's telling you a story so much as it's making you feel a sequence of things. And how, that's rad. How close, because, like, the the other obvious comparison to Journey is Abzu. How close does Abzu get to that? It's been a long time since I've played it. <sighs> Abzu had a lot of, like, wonder and feeling of, like, this is all really cool. Um, I mean, I you know, I haven't played it in a while either. Yeah. I, but I remember it being too similar to Journey. 
like yeah, that's fair. too much of it reminded me directly of something in Journey that I was just like, oh yeah, I remember that from Journey, and that kind of made it like the feeling a little cheaper. Yeah, because the problem is that it's been a long time since I've played Abzu, and an even longer time since I've played Journey. <laughs> yeah, so, same. Yeah. I haven't played Journey. I still need to play that game. Oh. Podcast episode. Yeah, uh, I mean... I don't to... think we need to play Journey. <laughs> Con- confession time. I actually have not played Journey either. I've, <gasps> watched, I've watched other people play it multiple times. The first time I saw it was like, uh, Asher got it, and I was like sitting on the couch with him and sort mm. of like experienced him playing through it um but i have not actually had my hands on the controller to play it myself i mean i think i think i've played it exactly once it my ex-boyfriend had it on his playstation and i have never bothered to purchase it for myself you know in in the almost five years since (laughs) since we've broken up so like i played it once right after it came out and i don't think i ever played it again so I mean, but that's fair. it's one of those things. It's like, if you play video games, you know about Journey. You've seen Journey. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. necessarily matter if you've played it. Yeah. I've, uh, I actually own, if we do ever want to play it for the podcast, um, I own, like, the compilation disc for PS3 that's, like, Flow, Flower, and Journey. Oh, nice. So, like, I have it. I just haven't actually opened it. I didn't realize that 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 compilation existed. That's cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's the That Game Company bundle. Mm-hmm. Nice that it exists, and double nice that it exists uh, physically. Yeah. I, I feel like that's becoming more and more of, like, a a prestige thing. Is like, oh, my game <laughs> is done. the physical copy. physical release. Yeah. I mean, it helps that Limited Run does such a good job with, with their physical releases. Uh, yeah. Even even if they release like five copies and and no more than that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so this game, in conclusion, go play it if you haven't. Yeah. Jesus, get on it, man. Um, I like, I have a I have a hard time understanding people who were not in some way moved by the experience of playing this game. I, I mean, I feel like there's probably. Uh, I'm sure there are reasons. I'm sure I could think of them if I tried. Yeah, really like hard. I, I feel like the the most logical thing is like I'm sure there's a huge subset of people who play video games who don't look to video games for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, think about like all of the the like most normalist bros who only buy like Madden and Call of Duty and nothing else uh, and maybe like the big like the Red Deads and I don't know what what else what else are big huge budget like I, I guess I, I say... should I guess I should caveat like I have a hard time not under uh, understanding how someone could not be moved by this if they made the decision to like sit down and seriously give it a chance if you're like, eh, that's like that's a feelings game. I don't care. Like, yeah. fine, you, you know, like whatever. That's not your thing. I get it. But like, if it's a game that you played that you took seriously, and then you go like, uh, I don't know. Like, I didn't feel like the mechanics were really, you know, good enough, and the puzzles weren't that interesting. It's like that's not the point of this game. Yeah, I guess that's, that's no, but my it point. could be a point to a player. That's true. Yeah, 
I, there are other types of people. I should, I need to constantly remind myself I am not the only type of gamer. Yeah. But yes, you I, are. I guess that's the Damn, thing. Though, is that it's, this game. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the thing is that it, I feel like it would be much harder. Well, maybe not much harder. It would be as difficult for so- someone like us to convince the Madden set to play this game as it would be to convince the Madden set to convince someone like us to play Madden. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's fair. So, um, I mean, I feel like I, I could play it and give it like an objective grade on like how skillful it is in terms of like, you know, mechanical implementation, but I probably wouldn't connect with it on an, I love sports and yeah. I enjoy feeling like the, you know, I'm running a sports team kind of level. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, and you know, it's not fair of me to like say like, you know, you're a bad person if you don't like this game or anything like that. It's, but it's like you're it's, gonna say it. Well, it's just so hard when you have a really powerful emotional reaction to something to understand how other people cannot have the same powerful emotional reaction. You know yeah. what I mean? I think yeah, I, I can say it for it. If you don't like this game, you're bad. <laughs> That's the thing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say if you don't like this game, you're bad. But I would say that if you don't like this game, what planet are you from? You are <laughs> yeah. an alien to me. Which do you I have, do. You understand emotion? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I get. I get that feeling uh, about a lot of things and a lot of people. The what like like I feel like we are from different planets. Not so much that they are from a different planet, but that I am from a different planet, and somehow I have ended up here. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I get it. Yeah. yeah. I'm reminded of a thing that uh, my friend said uh, when he first finished playing Undertale, and we were talking about Undertale, and he's like, listen, I understand that like Undertale might not be the right game for some people because, you know, like the mechanics are kind of unforgiving and it's got a lot of like anime in-jokes and stuff like that. Like I could see how it's maybe not a game for everyone, but at the same time, man, fuck people who don't like Undertale. (laughs) Yeah. And I kind of like, I don't want to feel that way about this game, but I kind of feel a little bit that way about this game. Like, fuck people who don't like this game. This game is amazing. Yeah, especially the person who we know and who we talked about Undertale with who doesn't like Undertale. You know who you are. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so does everybody listening to this podcast, if they know anything about the history of this podcast. Or glanced at at our SoundCloud page. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, it's like so shameful, but I feel like I'm probably gonna buy Undertale again for the Switch because there's more stuff they added content. <laughs> like, uh, is it just the, is it just the extra doge room? Cause I saw a video of that content I... and it's just, it's just a bad joke. I don't, I feel like there might be more, but, um, I haven't really looked into it enough to know. I just know that there's yeah, more stuff. That's... I'm also okay with like, you know, supporting Undertale, even though, like, not that Toby Fox needs it anymore. Yeah. But still. Yeah. That, I, I stand by my opinion of that game, that it's a good game. Uh, it takes a while to see sometimes what's brilliant about it, but I stand by its brilliance. It's, and also, it's a good game that, that's goodness, uh, might be difficult to uncover because of its terrible fandom. 
Yeah, because of the, the the problem was it was a game that was at its best when you went into it not really knowing much about it. Yeah. And that's now impossible. So Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. Well, we'll probably play Deltarune whenever Deltarune is finished. Mm-hmm. Um but I think we've all played Deltarune in, in its chapter one. in its current state, right? Yeah. I haven't finished it. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. It's it's not Undertale. It's fine, but it's not Undertale. Yeah. Uh, but we'll we'll get there. I'm sure you know when when successive if and when successive chapters are released and it's quote unquote finished, then we will we may play it for this podcast. It's gonna but... it's gonna be like we'll we play it five years from now, sort of like how we played Kentucky Route Zero five years from now when the final <laughs> when the final one day we will play Kentucky Route Zero. <laughs> yeah. Someday. And it will be an 18 hour long. <laughs> that, that actually reminds me that I have supplemental material. Uh, they, they've they been doing like a lot of extra stuff besides the, the interludes. Uh, why are we talking about this on the Gris podcast? But they've been doing like video content as well. And I have a, a lot of it downloaded and saved because I'm a, a weird digital hoarder. And I've, I've actually tweeted at Cardboard Computer asking... Uh, because when the game is finished, they're gonna, like, pack all of the interludes into the game so that you don't have to go elsewhere for them. And I have asked them, is the video content also going to be included in some capacity? And they said, we're gonna try. So that's good. Okay. But. Yeah, that'd be good to know. If that doesn't happen, I've got a lot of it saved. So. I can pass it out. Speaking of extra content. Yes. So if you go back through Gris and you play all of the, um, like you, you play all of the optional, slightly harder puzzles, uh, and you manage to collect all the mementos, uh, and you find the secret hidden room in the temple. Uh, there is a hidden cutscene um, in the game that is about. It's just a little quick flashback about the main character and her mother, and like a moment that they shared together uh, in the main character's childhood. Is it about and singing? It's not actually. Oh. It's um uh it's it's just like the two of them sitting in a field at night and the uh the mother picks up like a point of light from the grass. I think I think it's supposed to be maybe a firefly. E- either that or it's some, you know, mysterious magical point of light. Um and just like hands it to the daughter um and with that open palm that all the statues have, mm-hmm. that like open palm gesture, she's handing the daughter this little moat of light and the daughter like picks it up and it you know flies around her and she's delighted um and that's that's basically the whole scene and it's just it's just like kind of sweet and sad and it's just like a reminisce uh, reminiscing about the person that you know your character lost mm-hmm. um and I, it it kind of shaded my interpretation a little bit uh, after the fact um but i think it's still good to have um, I, I kind of liked having a more open-ended interpretation when I didn't know who the statue represented. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a it's a nice scene and it's it's a good reward for having done the little extra, you know, the extra work. So yeah, I I I have looked up a guide as well, and I feel like at some point I'm probably going to go back and get everything just for the sake of getting everything. <laughs> yeah. As I say, the only the only um, the only achievement I missed was the eel one, and I don't feel the need to go back for that. Yeah, that's um, fair. All the I was fine with all the others. 
So, yeah. The main one I cared about was the memento because of that extra scene. So, yeah. Uh, All right. Cool. Shall I talk about our next game? Does yes. anybody have any other thing to say about this? I mean, we could talk about Kingdom Hearts again. <laughs> I only have like a few small things. Yes. Like foreground, background. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, they um, they did a good. They had a good, um, clearly communicated way of indicating what is and is not platform by like shading it with a slight white line on the edge, which didn't work a hundred percent of the time, but was yeah. mostly sufficient. Yeah, I can think of yeah. like one instance in green where there because they put a lot of atmospheric perspective on the background but atmospheric perspective generally is like a bluish color and a lot of the green even though it was green was also a bluish color and that tripped me up on like one or two platforms thinking this looks like foreground but it was not so yeah yeah and the cutscenes amazing yes not not that many of them overall. Um, just a few, and all wordless, which I appreciate. So it's you know it translates to to human, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to just English. Um, <clears throat> like the only time you ever even see text is just the tutorials on how to use the new abilities as you get them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they don't. They're pretty good about like not taking control away from you that often, but when they feel that they need to say a thing, they do that and they just play you a cutscene. And the cutscenes are as beautiful as the rest of the game. It's all gorgeous. Um, I want to give another shout out to the sound design. Just like I was continually impressed by it throughout the game where I'm like, ah, all these little details are so like well-placed and the perfectly chosen sounds. Mm -hmm. But yeah, solid game, do play. Um, it's probably on fewer Game of the Year lists than it should be just because it came out so late in the year. Yeah, I, I've but... been seeing people talking about, like, maybe it's just one person that I've seen talking about, but like, how about we all just make our own personal Game of the Year list, but it's not games that came out this year, but it's like, what did you play this year that really affected you? <laughs> yeah. There was, oh, I don't remember what website it was. It was like uh, Keita Takahashi who did um, Katamari, Katamari Damacy. Yeah. Um, and it was like Keita Takahashi's best games of 2002 when he was working on Katamari and like the <laughs> games that informed Katamari. And it was like three games from, you know, the early 2000s and then one game from this year. Mm. Which, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that. Nice. Uh, I saw someone on Twitter do a list like that where they're like, listen, my game of the year is 999 because I just played it for the first time and it blew my mind. Worth it. Yeah. <laughs> there are too many fucking games every year. Like, yeah. I I'm, I don't have time to play all of them. I don't have time to play all of the games from the last five years. Or, like, even Goddamn just the games. ones... God damn it, games. It's stop. just too many of them. Stop having... Stop giving me infinite choices of things to play. You I mean, worst son of a games. bitch. <laughs> yeah. So I will say, uh, as a, 
you know, maybe to as a closing out the year, like this is our last podcast of the year thing. I am very grateful for having this podcast and for doing this podcast with you guys because it I would not play nearly as many games as I oh, play yeah. were it not for this podcast. Absolutely. And I love having a chance to actually see like what's being made and what's going on and what's interesting yeah. in games. So thank you guys for doing this with me. Yeah, it's I yeah, man. I'm glad we're still doing this after I don't know, what, two and a half years? Something we like started that. like mid twenty fifteen, I think. I wanna say. Seventy two. What is that how many, how many episodes we have? Yeah. Okay. With this one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, So it's it's more than twice that many weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Roughly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad we're still doing this. Uh it's if if I if if we didn't do this, I would probably just be playing the same five games over and over again. Uh, same. <laughs> like, the games that I just like to go back to. But now, now I can play Spyro Remastered instead of playing the original games every other year, like I have been doing since I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there's that too. Um, and we get to play, like, sometimes some weird and obscure games, such as our next game. Yes. Uh, which is called Butterfly Soup. Um, it's an Ichio game, and it is a lesbian dating sim by Brianna Lay, and that is literally all I know about it. Yep. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. Someone posted a... There was a thread of, like, post, like, lines from games that have stuck with you, and someone posted a screen cap with a quote from this game. And I'm like, that looks super cute. What that's What's that from? And someone's like, oh, it's this game Butterfly Soup. You should totally try it. It's great. So we're going to try it, and we're going to see. I'm, I'm we, looking, haven't, we haven't done a dating sim in a bit. I'm looking at the itch page right now, and under the features, there's three bullet points. And the first bullet point is just, Harold, they're lesbians. <laughs> yep. And then an asterisk saying, okay, one of them is bi, but still. So <laughs> that's 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 good brand right there. I like it. Yeah. My, my prediction is it's going to be kind of like quippily snarkily written but with some heartfelt feels underneath at least yeah. that's what i'm hoping for yeah so. is this gonna be another wonder song i don't know we'll find out i feel like uh... i feel like it's probably not gonna deal with like the end of the world although who knows i feel like basically all western visual novels are kind of necessarily quippy because of the really niche sort of market that they are going for. It's like niche and kind of twee, which is strange because... Yeah, it's uh, like the Venn diagram intersection of like people willing to put 10 or more hours into a game and people who watch rom-coms. Yeah, and it's also like, I know there's... I feel like there's even been articles written about like why so many uh, queer creators pick visual novels to tell queer stories because it's like you don't need a lot of people you don't need a lot of programming knowledge you don't need a lot of money yeah like and those are like a lot of the barriers towards putting queer art out into the world so and visual novels sells yeah that's true pretty well yeah especially now I just think it's funny that a lot of the Western ones end up being really twee when, like, <laughs> when, like the Japanese ones aren't. 
at all. A yeah, lot the of Japanese, the, the Japanese ones have like a much. I think it's just a much more established genre. So there's just yeah. a much wider variety among Japanese VNs. It, it's so. like it's like the 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 quibble about calling uh, anime or calling manga, calling them genres when they're really not. It's a medium. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Indie games. Indie games is not a genre. Visual novels are s- sort of a genre in the U.S., but they need not be. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're not a genre per se, but if they're being, if it's being used as a term, then it's sort of a genre. Yeah. There is some certain aspects you can expect yeah. when someone calls it an indie game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I yeah. This is this is too much discussion to have at this exact moment. Yeah. Also, well, yeah. We'll so we can talk. We can talk about what what constitutes an indie game when we're not at the very end of one of our podcasts. Maybe yeah, let's not. Yeah. That's yeah. Or fair. we can just skip that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Your homework. Since we haven't given out homework in a while, uh, write a. Uh, I was gonna say like a compare contrast, but then I couldn't get any further. Write a paper about what it made, what is an indie game. Go yep. answer that question. Um, Show your work. We will not read them or grade them. We might read them, but you yeah. will not be given a grade. You will not be given a grade. You will be given a grade, and the grade will be A plus for having done it. Yeah, and if you don't do it, then there won't be a grade. You you will not yep. be penalized. Yep. So, yes, so we're going to play Butterfly Soup. We will provide a link to the Itch.io page. Uh, it's pay what you want, um, so if you just want to download it, uh, that, that's fine. Um, and so it's, yeah, so we'll, we'll put a link to the Itch.io page on the Twitter probably. Yeah. I assume. Yeah, I will do that. Um, <clears throat> and then you have two weeks to play it. And come back and we'll talk about what we thought. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh so plugs. if they want to if they want to follow our Twitter, how do they do that, Kelso? Yeah, our Twitter, the uh the communal Twitter is at feedback force. No, it's just at feedback force. I was gonna say feedback force podcast. That's not what it is. It is just at feedback force. Uh, where you can see what game we are playing. You can uh, contact us there if you would like to join us as a guest. We love having guests. Please do that if you are interested in doing that after playing Butterfly Soup or after playing uh, any game in the future that we have that we decide to play. I apologize for drawing that out so much. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter uh, at Kelso Time Bomb. For all your shit post needs. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. Uh, I, at the moment, there is a poll on that Twitter for what game I should be playing next on my Sunday streams. Because I do a stream on Sundays where I play classic nostalgic video games. We just finished Metal Gear Solid. I had mixed feelings on it. I liked it overall, but it had some points that were like teeth grindingly frustrating. Um, but we're done with it now, and so we're deciding what to play next. Currently, Silent Hill 2 is in the lead, uh, so if you would like me to play something else, or if you want that to win more, 
um, go to the Twitters and vote. Uh, and if you want to see me stream, I stream in general. I'm going to take a short break, I think, for at least a week um, while I have this poll for the next game. But usually I stream on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific uh, on twitch.tv slash cagetiger, spelled with a K. Nice. Yeah. And I'm on Twitter, at skug3. Yes. And you can submit your homework to Carl. Yeah. And he will... Please don't. He will uh, <laughs> assign the grades. <laughs> Here we are. We put Carl on grading duty. Yep. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> everyone gets Everyone gets an F from Carl. <laughs> D minus. Oh, D minus. That's almost worse. <laughs> like, you tried, and I'm acknowledging your effort, but you didn't do a good job. Oh, it's the very end of the podcast, and here is the cat. Would you like Aww. to say hello? There he is. There's Fliffo to close out the 2018 year. Yep. <laughs> say goodnight, Fliffo. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. Uh, all right. All well, right. we will see you in in the year of our Lord, 2019. We will play some games, and hopefully you will join us. Thank you for listening. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.